0: Let us go on to Him twelve ninety five. Let us go on to Him twelve ninety five. Him twelve ninety five. Hallelujah. This half here on verse 1. And while we're singing, let's have this whole side declaring strongly. Praise the Lord for the fellowship of the gospel. So this side can stand and this side can declare. Verse 1. Standing. Let us pray two by two and let us remember to turn off our cell phones.
1: What a wonderful sight it is to see the church in Southern California. The church in Southern California. (coughs) All pursuing Christ. (coughs) All enjoying Christ. (coughs) All gaining Christ. (coughs) All here for Christ. (coughs) We just want Christ. (coughs) We are gathering for Christ. We are enjoying Christ. We are the Christ enjoyers. Let the world go by. We are Christ-enjoyers! We are here to pursue Christ as the pattern shown to us by Paul in the book of Philippians. Well, you have your outline in front of you. This is from, taken from the Memorial Day conference given in Seattle recently. And we're so happy that we could cover the first few messages of this marvelous conference. Well, I will start, I just give an introductory word. And then another brother will continue, this message number one. Uh, Let me just say that uh, uh, the brother who shared this particular meeting gave quite a lengthy introduction, and I'm gonna just summarize it in this kind of fellowship. Uh, The first thing that he covered was the conference topics of the seven feasts, brothers and sisters, are not just random and they're not just coincidental. They are something of the Lord's leading and the Lord's direction. So the topic here, the general subject on the experience of Christ may seem very familiar to us, but actually that may be a little bit of a danger to us. We want to have an open heart with an open spirit to gain Christ and to pursue Christ, right? We don't want to be those who are familiar with something and think that we know and we don't have to be open. So we like to have, we like to be here even this weekend to gain Christ and to pursue Christ more and more. Because the Lord knows the condition in his recovery and of all the churches. He is the dear son of man walking in the midst of the churches. And the need of the churches, of the local churches, is to have the proper and genuine experience of Christ. So the reality of the body of Christ could be brought in. In the Thanksgiving conference in 2018 in Charlotte, the topic was the reality of the body of Christ. The body of Christ, we don't want it to remain just a term to us, just a fact, just a matter. We want to enter into the reality of the body of Christ. And so the burden was released there in Charlotte. Then it continued in the Chinese speaking conference in February. The title was Living in the Reality of the Body of Christ by Keeping the Principles of the Body. (laughs) Then it continued again during Itero, during the elders and responsible (laughs) training. And then the Memorial Day Conference, the title is The Experience of Christ. How does the experience of Christ relate to the reality of the body of Christ? In the Holy Word for Morning Revival, in this week, the church in Anaheim is going through, I forget which week it is, maybe week five. Brother Lee made a statement in here that I like to read. The body of Christ is just the issue of the experience of Christ. Circle that, write that down, highlight it. (laughs) Put it on your screensaver, in the, on your computer. The body of Christ is just the issue of the experience of Christ. Uh-huh. So, brothers and sisters, this is not a just a coincidental topic that we are covering on the matter of the experience of Christ. Uh-huh. <clears throat> May we all be, even through these couple days of blending. By the way, brothers and sisters, blending simply means <clears throat> not just socially coming together. Blending is to enjoy Christ together with one another and to minister Christ to one another. So I hope even this whole time that we're together, we could really experience the reality of the blending, all right? to be together, to enjoy Christ together and to minister Christ to one another. So, <clears throat> We would all have, we would all be refreshed with a renewed hunger and a renewed spirit, with a pursuing spirit, to what? To enjoy Christ, to gain Christ. That Christ could have the reality of the body of Christ. And this is why we're here. There is a key statement, I don't know, Mark, if we have any key statements available? Yeah, well, let me just read. There was a key statement uh, for the Memorial Day Conference, and the key statement, the first one, relates very much to the first meeting. The most important thing for us to do is to experience Christ as our enjoyment today. Isn't that marvelous? The most important. Brothers and sisters, we are gathering together to carry out the most important thing and that is to experience Christ as our enjoyment today. So that the church may be built up, not just piled up, but built up for his glory. This is the way for us to be preserved in the Lord's recovery. We want to be preserved in the Lord's recovery until he comes back. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to go so far in our Christian journey and then deviate at the end. We want to be preserved entirely until the Lord comes back. And the way to be preserved is to experience Christ as our enjoyment today, to pursue him in a proper way and to enjoy him, that the church could be built up, amen? Do we all agree? So we read the key statement together, and then we went to the Roman numeral number one. And how about we read, for example, let's go ahead and read, sorry, the title together, and then we'll read Roman numeral one together. Okay? Let's all read the title together. The Intrinsic.
2: Roman numeral one together.
1: Okay, how about we have, the brothers read A, okay? God is mystery, Christ is a mystery of God, and the church is the mystery of our and the church is actually the mystery of the mystery. Even though this Christ is a mystery, we can experience this very Christ. What an awesome matter that we human beings can experience this mysterious Christ. <clears throat> Even though Christ is a mystery, God is a mystery, Christ is a mystery, the church is a mystery, we can experience this mystery. God is a mystery, <clears throat> in John 1:18, it says no one has ever seen God. Yet in Genesis 18, God appeared to Abraham in the form of a man. What is this? This is a mystery. A mystery is something that you cannot explain. It is there, but you cannot explain. Christ is also a mystery. And Christ is the mystery of God. Christ is the embodiment of God. If you want to find God, you must find Christ. In Colossians 2, all the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily. What a mystery. We can experience such a Christ. And then the church is also a mystery. The church as the body of Christ is the mystery of Christ. And here we have the two verses in Colossians 2.2 and Ephesians 3.4, that their hearts may be comforted they being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, unto the full knowledge of the mystery of God, Christ. In Ephesians 3, 4, by which in reading it, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ. Even though God is a mystery and Christ is a mystery, we can experience Christ, we can experience God. All the experiences of God and Christ are a mystery. Not only is God a mystery, not only is Christ a mystery, but in B, our Christian living is a mystery. The church is a mystery within a mystery within a mystery. But even our Christian living, brothers and sisters, is a mystery. Isn't it wonderful? That Christ lives in us. That is really mysterious, but it really is enjoyable. Christ lives in us. Our Christian living is a mystery. For example, I'm reading B although human love is limited, the proper love lived out by a Christian is unlimited. Hence, it is a mystery. We can live out a proper love. We can live out the divine love in its unlimitedness. Human love is limited, but the divine love is unlimited. Ephesians 3.19 is a wonderful verse, and it's a mysterious verse. It says, And to know... No, know, no. what? The knowledge surpassing love of Christ. The love of Christ is knowledge surpassing, yet we can still know it. This is a mystery. That you may be filled <clears throat> unto all the fullness of God. <clears throat> the entire Christian living, brothers and sisters, is a mystery. And this mystery and this living has an expression of many virtues. And one of the virtues <clears throat> of this Christian living, one of the virtues of this mystery of Christ is the virtue of love. Human love is short. We all know that. We have dreams and aspirations before we get married that we're going to always love our spouse. In fact, we promise that and we vow it. But then eventually, in a short time, we see how short human love is. Human love is also deficient. Human love is just limited. Human love is selective, conditional. This is all human love. But the divine love, brothers and sisters, that we can experience is unlimited. It is immeasurable. This is wonderful. Here, you know, Brother Bob, Brother Bob Danker, initially, was supposed to share this part of the message, and he, got, he couldn't do it. He got sick, so I'm the poor substitute. But he did give me some verses, and so I'm happy about that, so I'm sharing part of his wonderful preparation. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 48, you remember that section in Matthew 5 on the Constitution of the Kingdom, This shows the unlimited (coughs) divine love. The unlimited divine love is the expression of the unlimited divine life. The unlimited divine attributes are expressed in the virtues of limited human beings. (coughs) This is marvelous. We can see this in Matthew, Chapter 5. The other reference that I'd like to show you and give you is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. In this section, you recall that Peter was encouraging the believers, the scattered believers, to add something. Add all diligence. Add this kind of virtue. Add that. One of the last items to add was in brotherly love, comma, love. What is that love? That is the divine love. I love the footnote there. This is footnote two. You can read this at a later time. Listen to this. The divine love, brothers and sisters, is nobler than the human love. Human love is noble, but it's short. Only the divine love is nobler. And brothers and sisters, we can experience the divine love. The divine love is stronger in ability and greater in capacity than the human love. We all agree with that. Our human love is short. We all have some amount of human love, but it's short. We want to experience Christ. We want to gain Christ in his unlimited love, in his immeasurable love, right? That we could magnify such a love. Then the footnote goes on to say, Yet a believer who lives by the divine life and partakes of the divine nature can be saturated with it and express it in full. This shows that we can experience the divine love. We can experience the unlimited love. And by the experience of this unlimited love, we can magnify this very Christ. We can do this. This is our experience. Paul experienced this, Peter experienced this, the Lord himself as a man experienced this. So can we, because when we, this is what it means to experience Christ in his unlimitedness. We all are familiar with human love, but we're all short in our human love. When we're short in our human life, we recognize the shortage of our human love, we turn to our spirit we contact the lord when we contact him the divine love is able to live through us the ones who are unlovable can be loved by us the unlovable unlovable ones are loved through the divine love because his love is unlimited this is how we can experience christ this is how we can gain christ We don't want to be content with where we are in just our limited love. We want to love one another. Not just greeting one another and then saying something against somebody, right? We want to love one another in the divine love. This is the way to pursue and to gain Christ. Isn't this wonderful in 2 Peter chapter 1? And then we go on to see, to magnify Christ is to express Christ without limitation. This is wonderful. In Philippians 1.20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be put to shame. Paul was in a prison, but he refused to be put to shame. He refused not to be found in Christ. He refused not to experience Christ. He refused not to gain Christ. But with all boldness, as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. I just appreciate this, brothers and sisters, so much. Paul was small, even small in stature. Christ was even smaller. He was almost non-existent to the Romans, to the Greeks, especially to those political ones in Rome. Yet Paul experienced Christ in his prison. And what happened? He became a magnifier of Christ. People saw Christ through Paul experiencing Christ in his unlimitedness. Who could do that? Paul became such a one by enjoying Christ. And then Christ became magnified. It is amazing that even some of Caesar's household became believers. They saw Christ. Where did they see Christ? He was, Christ was in the heavens. Actually, Christ was being magnified through a man in prison. Because this man was no was not like any other man in prison. Every other man in prison complained and did this and tried to do something probably against the guards. But Paul was not that way. Paul was an enjoyer and pursuer of Christ. Remember, brothers and sisters, that Philippians was not written at the Hilton. Philippians was written from prison. Am I right, brothers? <clears throat> yet he could be one who could magnify Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we all have our prison. Maybe our prison is a person. Maybe our prison is a matter. Maybe our prison is a situation. Whatever prison we are in, we can experience Christ. Amen. We can enjoy, and we can magnify Christ. Amen. I love this Next portion in D. Paul's experience of Christ as the unlimited, as his unlimited endurance was the magnification of the unlimited Christ. Any attribute we have to live in Christ by the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will be unlimited and thus mysterious. I'll go on quickly. In "E, how about we have the sisters read "E together? Amen. about love being short forgiveness is even shorter I think we are more stingy in our forgiveness than in our love but look at this even our forgiveness of others needs to be a magnification of Christ our forgiveness is the inexhaustible Christ himself magnified in us In Ephesians 4.32, it speaks about forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ also forgave you. Forgiving one another, not just seven times. Even as God in Christ also forgave you. How many times is that? That's unlimited. How many times has God in Christ forgiven you? unlimitedly. <clears throat> if the Lord would have held, a, held to us 70 times 7, 490, maybe in a day we would already bypass that <clears throat> and then we would be condemned. <clears throat> but the Lord's forgiveness is unlimited. <clears throat> this is the Christ that we can experience. This is the Christ that we can enjoy, and this is the Christ that we can live out. <clears throat> How many times do I need to forgive? You remember Ephesians 4 30. <clears throat> Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. One more verse in this section. You can write this down, Colossians 3.13, note 2. The forgiving Lord is our life. I better read the verse in Colossians, quickly here, 3.13. Bearing one another and forgiving one another, if anyone should have a complaint against anyone, even as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. Note 2, this is a marvelous note. I love this footnote. I love to enjoy this footnote. I love to experience the reality of this footnote. <clears throat> the forgiving Lord is our life and lives within us. Forgiving is a virtue of his life. We can experience such a Christ. When we contact him, forgiving is a virtue of his life. Now listen to this. When we take him as our life in person, and live by Him, our forgiving of others will be spontaneous. Spontaneous. Because it is the issue and the expression of the divine life. We can experience spontaneous forgiving by enjoying and pursuing this all-inclusive Christ. This unlimited Christ in His forgiveness. This is marvelous. Our forgiveness Oh then it goes on to say it will become a virtue of our Christian life. Sometimes our forgiveness is forced, our forgiveness is somewhat compulsory. Sometimes we have to coerce one another, coerce ourselves. Maybe it's obligatory we we say something and right this is kind of our forgiveness. But the Lord's forgiveness is a virtue of his life. I love this. And then in E, excuse me, in F, in the midst of suffering, we should simply love the Lord and experience him. Then we will magnify Christ, expressing him as the one who is unlimited. It is a joy to magnify Christ through suffering. This is, at this point in time, our brother who shared gave the illustration of Brother Watchman Nee, that even under such intense suffering of 20 years, he maintained his joy. He joyfully magnified Christ in the midst of his suffering. G, the experience of Christ is a mystery, and whatever we experience of Christ is unlimited. If we see this vision, this vision, it will not only control our life, but also strengthen our Christian walk. Semicolon, God's intention is to magnify Christ through us. Whatever situation, whatever prison we are put in, it is God's intention. not necessarily to always bring us out, but surely it is his intention, wherever we are, that Christ would be magnified. Brothers and sisters, this is where we need to pursue Christ. Not just in the meetings. Our living, our Christian living, well, Let me just read H. The church life is the sum total of our Christian living. We all live Christ and our Christian living is added together to make the church life. When we come together as the church, we are a complete mystery. The church life is a sum total of our Christian living. The church life is not a sum total of Christian practice, just our activities just our zealousness for this or for that. The Christian life is what? Is a sum total, the church life is a sum total of our Christian living. Wherever we are, brothers and sisters, especially in our daily life, not just in the meetings, but at home, we should be the same in the meetings and at home. We should be the same with others as we are with our spouse or our children. Our children, our spouses, should not look at us any differently than we are with the saints. This is how to experience Christ right where we are in our daily living. We can all experience Christ in the meetings, but we want to experience Christ and gain Christ in our daily life and in our daily living, that we could magnify Christ. We don't want a shallow, empty, Christless church life, right? We want to experience Christ, we want to gain Christ in his unlimitedness, so we, so the Lord could gain the reality of the body of Christ. You know, I'd like to conclude with just an experience that we have recently had. I always thought this portion on the matter of Christ being magnified in prison was just limited, that only Paul could do that, and maybe a few, who were in prison. But in the United States, this is not our experience. Wherever we are, brothers and sisters, we have to live Christ. We have to express Christ. We have to enjoy Christ. We have to pursue Christ. This is our Christian life. We pursue Christ not only in the meetings, but even where we live, even at home. We're the same at home as we are in the meetings. This is how to gain Christ. Our neighbor, across the street, a dear older couple. They've been Anaheim residents for years and years. I think they've been in that house almost 60 years, all in Anaheim. So they raised their children here. He passed away about seven years ago. And his wife, of course, from the time that we were neighbors with them, it's been over 20 years we've been their neighbors. And my wife has gotten very close to her. Um, And then, you know, but we were just there. We were just living the church life. We were just living the Christian life. And she got ill and she was getting close to passing away. And my wife told me that she was a believer. She was a real genuine believer. Um, I had never spoken to her about the Lord She lived directly across the street from us, so she could see all the activity going on, including the chaos with our four kids. (laughs) She would say she would pray for my wife when my wife would be out there on the Lord's Day morning, and it's a few minutes before the meetings, and the week before, the elders of the church encourage everybody to be on time, and somebody is missing a shoe. And so you're trying to run out, and my wife is beeping the horn.
2: Come on out, come on.
1: So she told us at that time, she just simply prayed for us. Well, here's what happened. She got ill. We love her so dearly. We love her so dearly. I had never spoken to her about the Lord. She told one of her grown children to go to her drawer and get a sheet that she had prepared. Her child, her daughter, or her son got the sheet, brought it to her. She said, this is what I want at my memorial. So she had written her memorial entirely out. And then, as far as the speaker was concerned, she crossed out a few names. She didn't want them to speak. She said, I want Dennis to speak at my memorial. I had, not only did she want me to speak, but she told her, children, what she wanted me to speak at her memorial. You know what she wanted me to speak? She wanted me to speak the gospel of salvation. I, didn't, I had never had a conversation with her about the Lord. How did she know that I knew the gospel of salvation? So I spoke, a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of Anaheim residents, I spoke on Luke 15 on the love, the saving love of the triune God towards sinners, that the Lord could save some, save some typical Anaheim residents, right? This is what I spoke. But brothers and sisters, we had never had a conversation between her and I about believing in the Lord or anything. But she knew through the magnification of Christ. What was my prison? My prison was just running in and out of the house, going to the meetings. I don't know what it was. I never stood on my lawn to announce the Gospel. Maybe I should have. But how did she know? I don't know, maybe just through the Magnific. Christ was magnified. Brothers and sisters, when we enjoy Christ, Christ can be magnified. Let us be those who pursue Christ, not pursue the things of the earth. The things of the earth are not worthy of our pursuit. We want to pursue the Lord. We want to pursue Christ. We want to be preserved in his recovery until he comes back. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen.
3: Praise the Lord. Amen. It is so good that we touch this subject of experiencing Christ. You know, just like our brother shared, this message actually is a continuation of so many messages that we have heard in the last year. Even in this last international conference of the Chinese speaking, you know, the uh, message 5, Roman number 3, is the one that says this. It said the body of Christ is the issue of the experience of Christ. The body of Christ is the the issue of the experience of Christ. Praise the Lord, we can actually experience Christ. Don't you think this is wonderful? You know, when I first saw this outline about the intrinsic significance of the experience of Christ, I was a little concerned, you know, why do we talk about the mystery first? Christ is a mystery, but praise the Lord, even if we don't quite understand what Christ is, we could still enjoy him. Amen. We can still experience and enjoy him. Amen. Don't you think this is wonderful? Yes. And as we enjoy him, we could also become a mystery. Just like Dennis, he became a mystery to his neighbor. And so while Dennis was talking about this, I remember that in my college years, You know, praise the Lord, I went to a university, there is no campus work, so we need to start a campus work there. And every week we pray, every week we have a gospel meeting. And one day I have a burden to preach the gospel to this particular person. And this particular person is actually the president of a fraternity. Okay, I just don't know. I felt like the Lord wants me to go share with him and so I asked him if he wants to come to my house, first for a barbecue, then to swim, and then I'll bring him to the gospel meeting. <laughs> and he actually agreed. And when he came to that gospel meeting, right away he called the name of the Lord, he believes in the Lord, and he was baptized. <laughs> so for years I wondered what's going on here. So I asked him one time, I said, Why did you believe in the Lord? I just did it one time. He said, for years we are wondering what you are. He said, among the students, we don't understand what makes you tick. You know, you are a mystery to us. (laughs) So when you said that I need to come to you, I said, okay, I will come. I want to have that mystery. You know, praise the Lord that our Christ is mysterious, but we can all enjoy him. We can all experience him and enjoy him. You know, just like our brother shared, you know, the fullness of God is indwelled bodily in this Christ. Don't you think that's wonderful? But then it also says that this very Christ, who is the embodiment of the trying God, is also in us. This is mysterious. But praise the Lord. This mysterious Christ is actually in us, and because he's in us, because he came, he was incarnated, you know, he went through human life, he was crucified, and he was resurrected to become the life-giving spirit. Today, by exercising our spirit, we can actually enjoy this mysterious Christ. Oh, praise the Lord for this Christ. Praise the Lord, we can all experience him with much enjoyment. Okay, you know, uh, so when we come to Roman number two, it talks about Philippians unveiled that the experience of Christ is our fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel until the Lord Jesus comes back. You know, if you read this book called The Experience of Christ, which I try to read quite a lot of chapters, you know, this is the uh, template of this outline, you know. So I hope some of you have read this. This is not a new book. Bradley spoke on this in 1978, and it was published in 1978. also, you know, I hope that you would all go in, because what we will speak here in this three message is quite short. It will not, you know, do much justice. But if you really go into this book, you know, you would enjoy this matter of experience Christ very much. It is in this book that Broly shared that Philippians is between Ephesians and Colossians, and in Ephesians, it's talking about the body of Christ, and Colossians is talking about the head of the body. Okay, so between these two books, you need to experience Christ so that you can grow into the head. You know, we, as the body of Christ, needs to experience Christ, need to enjoy Christ, so that we can all grow into the head. You know, this is how we build up the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. And it is also in this book that broly shared, Philippians unveiled this thing called experience of Christ, but in a very particular way, in a very particular way and it talks about, you know, what he unveils, what Paul unveils in Ephesians is very practical and also in quite detail. So I just hope, you know, as we come to this message on the experience of Christ, we would not think that we know all about this. If we said that we know about it, then we should have the body of Christ, the reality of Christ fully manifested since it is not yet fully manifested, since we have to talk so much about the reality of the body of Christ, it probably is telling us that we do not have much experience of Christ in a real way. So I just hope, you know, and as I was listening to all the messages, I just hope and pray that the Lord would really bless all the churches, especially the churches in Southern California, that we will all be ushered into such an experience of this very Christ in a marvelous way. So like, like Dennis say, we can manifest Him, we can magnify Him. We can magnify Him in His unlimitedness. Okay, so in Romans 2, it says, Philippians unveil the experience of Christ. And this is our fellowship unto the furtherance of the Gospel until the Lord Jesus comes back. It is our fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel until the Lord Jesus comes back. So if we read those verses in Philippians 1 from 3 to 6, let me read those to you. He says, I think, my God, upon all my remembrance of you, always in my, ev- my every petition on behalf of you all, making my te- petition with joy for your fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun in you a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, so when we come to this book of I- I Philippians, We know that he's talking about the experience of Christ. But in the first item that is mentioned by Paul is on the fellowship of the furtherance of the gospel. It's in the fellowship of the furtherance of the gospel. You know, I really praise the Lord so much that through the ministry, you know, this verse is being revealed to us so that we would understand why is it that Paul would mention about this fellowship on the furtherance of the gospel, you know, as one of the first items to usher us into the experience of Christ. You know, so as we go to this book and as we listen to so many of the messages, we find out, you know, that this experience of Christ actually starts from the fellowship for the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, and then Bradley said this, you know, he said this, you know, in this portion, you know, it is mainly talking about fellowship rather than preaching of the gospel. You know, if you look at that verse, it did not say preaching of the gospel. It said fellowship, fellowship of the gospel, you know, fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. You know, so Brother Lee Sher, and I was so glad that we got to see this, is that if we want to experience Christ One of the first thing we do is we need to preach the gospel. But our preaching of the gospel should not be done in an individualistic way. You know, our preaching the gospel should be with much fellowship. It is through this fellowship that we would know Christ. It is through this fellowship that we will experience Christ. It is through this fellowship that we will enjoy Christ. Because so this, this is very important we are talking about the fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, A here says, from the time that we are saved until the time the Lord comes back, our Christian life should be a gospel-preaching life. You know, this is a gospel-preaching life. It's just not a gospel-preaching incidents or an activity or a movement. It is a life. It is a living that means, you know, As we fellowship with one another, just like what Burleigh shared in all those messages about the Vital Group, you know, we actually are brought into a kind of living, a living that is full of the gospel preaching. You know, we preach the gospel in our home. We preach the gospel when we are out. We preach the gospel everywhere, you know, in our living. We just live this Christ and this living of Christ is actually the preaching of the gospel. And one here said that Christ experiencing and enjoying life is a life in the furtherance of the God. A gospel preaching life. Not individualistic, but corporate. Not individualistic, but corporate. You know, if we just preach the gospel individually, we do not have much fellowship. And we do not have much experience of Christ. It is when we come together to fellowship, about the gospel, that Christ could be magnified in us, that we would know more about this Christ. You know, so this fellowship unto the gospel is a first point about our experiencing of this Christ. Okay, so he said, but it's not individualistically, but corporately. The more fellowship, listen, the more fellowship we have in the furtherance of the gospel, the more Christ we experience and enjoy. Let me repeat that. The more fellowship we have in the furthering of the gospel, the more Christ we experience and enjoy. And this, something will happen when we have such fellowship with one another. You know, fellowship, like blending, is a kind of harmonizing, right? It's a kind of adjusting us. It's a kind of, you know, dealing with all our distinctiveness so that we become one body, you know, for the expression of this body, you know. Okay, when we do this, this will kill our self, our ambition, our preference, and our choice. Whether we speak or remain silent, our life, our living, our being, and our entire person must be a preaching of Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, I enjoyed the testimony of Dennis, you know, just by living a cross. You know, people know that something is different here and because of this, they were attracted to this Christ. You know, so, you know, just even if we are silent because of our life, our living, our being, and our entire person, we are actually preaching Christ. If I could share a little bit of my experience, you know, I don't know what happened there. One time when I was flying back from the Far East, I was there in the plane You know, just touching the Lord, reading some of the ministry, you know. And all of a sudden, one of the flight attendants came, and he kneeled beside me. Have you ever seen flight attendant kneeling beside you? But this person came and kneeled beside me. And he says, sir, are you a preacher of the word of God? I was so shocked. I don't even know how to answer him. He said, are you a preacher? Even out of a few hundred people, you know, this came and kneeled beside me in a very reverent way. I almost tell me, please don't kneel. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I was so shocked that in our, if we actually experience this mysterious Christ, we will also become such a mystery to people that it will actually attract people, attract people to come to him, you know, okay? Okay. And then, two, he said, whether we speak, okay, I spoke of that. B, he said, Paul charges us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is to stand stand firm in one spirit with one soul, striving together, along with the faith of the gospel. And this point came out of Philippians 1.27. Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourself, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether coming and seeing you or being absent, I may hear of the thing concerning you, that you stand firm in one spirit with one soul, striving together along with the faith of the gospel. You know, so when we come to this point, you know, Paul, in charging the Philippians, is telling them, that they need to have a conduct, you know, that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, is in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So when you see this, probably you think that you need to be very pious, you know, you need to behave very nicely so that you are here in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That may be true, you know, that is true, but I think Paul here is trying to emphasize something even more. You know, he's emphasizing a little bit more than just behaving ourselves, just by having a good character. He's talking about this manner worthy of the gospel of Christ is actually referring to stand firm in one spirit with one soul and then striving together along with the faith of the gospel. You know, this is to make us worthy of the gospel. Now, the worthy of the gospel is for us to all stand firm in one spirit with one soul, in one spirit with one soul. So it's not just in spirit, but also with one soul and also striving together, not alone, but striving together along with the faith of the gospel. Okay, so this is talking about that if we really want to behave, if we want to live a life of gospel preaching, we must have live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is to stand firm in one spirit with one soul, striving together, okay? So this is what we are talking about. And what this means is that, okay, if you want to really experience Christ, It's not mainly in the preaching, it's in the fellowship. We want the fellowship in such a way that we can actually, you know, be stand firm in one spirit with one soul. You know, I really praise the Lord that in the latter life of Brother Lee, he talks about blending. Blending is to give us a chance, an opportunity, for us to all come together and fellowship with one another. Don't you think this is quite wonderful? I don't think that recovery would be here today without such blending. Oh, praise the Lord for such blending. This blending actually bring in the fellowship and this fellowship actually bring in the gospel. Because it's too blending that we can actually stand firm in one spirit with one soul and we could strive together, okay? And so, you know, when we talk about blending, you know, we always talk about blending, require us to go through the cross, right? Go through the cross, deny ourselves by the spirit, dispensing Christ to one another. So it means, you know, if we want to be blended, we want to have such fellowship, if we want to stand firm in one spirit, we have to be willing to be nothing. We have to be willing to be nothing. You know, even in the matter of gospel preaching, if we are not in one spirit with one soul, gospel preaching could bring a lot of us into envy, into strife, and into rivalry. Don't you think so? You know, it happens. It happens in our midst. After Browley passed away, after he has spoken so much about the God-ordained way, I don't know if you remember, some started talking about that they have the only God-ordained way. And then some said that they have the improved God-ordained way. And some said they have the best God-ordained way. You know, all these people didn't come out, even in the matter of trying to preach the gospel. You know, so I really praise the Lord by what Paul is sharing here. He said, if we do not fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel, we could just be ended up like that, fighting each other in the name of the gospel. You know, as we are trying to gain more people, as we are trying, you know, so burden for the gospel, we must come back to Philippians. You know, that's why I praise the Lord so much that we are back here in Philippians 1 and 2 to show us that if we are burdened for what the Lord is asking us to do to preach the gospel, we must allow the Lord to work in us first so that we can be, uh, we can stand firm in one spirit with one soul. Okay? Then by this, the Lord could put ourselves, our ambition, our reputation, our position, everything aside. You know, the Lord will allow us to do that. And the Lord would also kill ourselves, our flesh, our natural man, our ambition, our desire, our preferences, and our choice. You know, for we have to stand firm in one spirit with one soul, okay? And uh, I believe we all understand for us to do it, it is impossible. You know, we ourselves cannot do it. But praise the Lord, in Philippians 1, it talks about the Spirit of Jesus. Praise the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus is in us. We cannot do it, but He can. So it reminds us that we need to turn back to him. We need to turn back to the spirit of Jesus that is within us. It is the spirit of Jesus that could make us stand firm in one spirit with one soul, you know, okay? And then one here says, to be with one soul and to be like soul for the gospel are more difficult than be in one spirit for the experience of Christ. I think this is all our experience. To be in one spirit is rather easier than to be in one soul, isn't it? You know, like for example, if we want to go out and preach the gospel, we usually come and pray together. When we are praying together, we are so one. But it seems like as soon as we start praying, we are not in one soul. We all have our opinions. Isn't that so? You know, so sometimes I felt that maybe we should not go out. We just pray and pray and pray because then we'll be one. You know, but we have to go out. And the minute we stop praying, we stop being one. Isn't that true? You know, this is my experience. I suppose that is your experience also, you know, okay. But we must remember in order to really enjoy this Christ, We should not just be in our spirit, but we also need our soul, you know. Okay, we need our soul. So here in Philippians, Paul emphasizes the soul more than the spirit. Okay, that's why he keeps saying to be with one soul and to be like soul for the gospel work. You know, he emphasized that it is the soul that we need. It is the transformation of the soul that is needed. That means our mind, our emotion, our will need to be transformed so that we can actually stand in one spirit with one soul. Okay? Here in the verses, that is uh, the reference verses here in Philippians 2.20, He said, for I have no one like soul who will generally care for what concerns you. I've no one like soul so this matter of being like soul is very much the wish of our brother paul and i suppose this is the wish of the apostles before us that we should all be in like soul okay like soul okay we are not like soul because we have our own thing we seek our own thing okay, and not the things of christ jesus okay oh lord jesus You know, so I just hope that as we go through this, we don't think that we already have it. There is much transformation needed so that we can be like soul. Okay? Like soul. All right. That's why two here says, to be with one soul requires that after having been regenerated in our spirit, we go further to be transformed in our soul. We go further. Oh, this word is marvelous. We need to go further. Don't get stuck. Don't think that you already have it. We need to go further, okay? To be transformed to our soul. And Second Corinthians 3.18 says that if we behold and reflect Him like a mirror, then we will be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And Romans twelve two is talking about we be transformed, actually, first, by the renewing of the mind. By the renewing of the mind, which is the strongest part of our soul, you know, we need to be renewed in our mind, okay? And then 3 here says, if we are not one in our affection, our thoughts, our decision, we are not with one soul. As long as we are not in one soul, we are not in the fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel and our conduct is not worthy of the gospel. Okay. If our affection, our thoughts, our decision is different, then we are not one soul. You know, love is not the same that we are not one soul. You know, so here talking about that we need to deny our soul. Okay. And we need to pray to the Lord and behold the Lord so much that our soul would be transformed, starting from our mind, you know, and our emotion and our will. Okay, may the Lord really touch us so that we, for the furthering of the gospel, is willing to be transformed so that he can be expressed. And then four, he says, When all the members in the church are in one spirit with one soul, this oneness will be convincing, subduing, and attractive. And we will experience Christ, and not just experience Christ, but enjoy Christ. Oh, we can enjoy Him. Okay? So, you know, when we talk about this, you know, it says that when all the members of the church are in one spirit with one soul, that we can express Him. And this expression of the oneness is very convincing, very subduing, and very attractive. You know, people won't believe in the Gospel because they saw so many divisions among Christians. They saw so many divisions. So they say, how could we believe in this God when you all profess to believe in the same God, but you are so divided? but praise the Lord with the Spirit of Jesus. Especially here in the Lord's recovery, we need to pray that the Lord would give us this way of being in one spirit with one soul. This is the charge of Apostle Paul. May this charge of Apostle Paul be a charge to you and me that we all enter into such a thing, so that we can make the joy of the apostle full. Okay. And uh, I I read this from this book also. It said that uh, when we talk about fellowship unto the furthering of the gospel, you know, we think about preaching the gospel, right? We think about preaching the gospel. Then Broly said, the primary matter in the preaching of the gospel, it's in the matter of experiencing and enjoying Christ. You know, is it the primary matter? It's not to psych yourself out so that you can go and door knock. It's actually to enjoy Christ. He said, "This is the primary matter of feasting and enjoying Christ." When we feast and enjoy Christ then we don't have to force ourselves to go preach the gospel. We naturally or spontaneously will preach the gospel to people. You know, by bringing people into the same enjoyment that we are enjoying. You know, I am so glad that in this message, we are talking about when we experience Christ, We, that such experience should bring us into the enjoyment of Christ. You know, sometimes this experiencing Christ and enjoying Christ may be different. You know, just like some children, they eat broccoli because the parent forced them to eat. And the parent probably said that if you don't eat it, I'm going to discipline you. So they experience broccoli because they are afraid of discipline. But we are not the same. We should enjoy Christ with much we should experience Christ with much enjoyment of Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. Our Christ is so enjoyable. So the more we see the vision of this Christ, his unsearchable riches in his you know. In his supreme excellency the more we would enjoy him this is the christ that we have okay we want to enjoy him and through such enjoyment of him we would actually be in the gospel in the work of the gospel okay let's go to three and three here says strictly speaking Philippians is a book not only on the experience of christ but also on the enjoyment of Christ. Not only on the experience of Christ, but also on the enjoyment of Christ. Don't you think it is wonderful today on earth we can have such an enjoyment, enjoyment of this all-inclusive Christ? This is why we are here on earth, you know, okay? Since Philippians is concerned with the experience and enjoyment of Christ, which is you enjoy, It is a book filled with joy and rejoicing. It is a book full of joy and rejoicing. Oh, this should be our life, full of joy and rejoicing. You know, Paul, when Paul was writing this, he was in prison. And those prison is probably a very difficult prison. But he is full of joy because he's enjoying Christ. You know, in all those verses, you know, he's talking full about joy, you know. You know, like in Philippians 1.4, it talks about the petition with joy. And in Philippians 1.18, it talks about, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. In Philippians 1.25, he said, you know, progress and joy of the faith. In Philippians 2.2, he said, make my joy full that you think the same thing, having the same love, join in soul, thinking the one thing. Okay, and then Philippians 2.17, he said, I rejoice. And I rejoice together with you all. You know, all these verses are talking about joy and rejoicing, okay? So I hope we will go out from this meeting full of joy because we are experiencing Christ with much enjoyment of Christ. Okay, I have sent him, therefore, okay, in 2.29, it said, I, I, that you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful, And in 2.29, it said, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all joy. A good old joy. And Philippians 3.1, he said, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. And 4 1 says, So then, my brothers beloved, and long for my joy and crown. You know, brother and sister, is our joy and our crown. You know. And Philippians 4-4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Oh, praise the Lord. We are here not just experiencing Christ, we are enjoying Christ. Amen. Oh, by enjoying Christ, we are full of joy. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, we can be full of joy here on earth today. Hallelujah. You know, let me share with you one, one thing here. You know, one time I was uh, asked to preach a gospel to a very f- successful businessman. You know, but this, this person has so much thing against Christianity. So I went there and he started talking about how Christian are so divided, how come they can fight a hundred year war between the Protestant and the Catholic. I uh, kept talking it on and on. And I was really looking for a chance to speak my piece. But he just kept on going because he's so, so anti Christians. So at one point, when he has to stop a little bit just to breathe, I asked him, I said, Mister, are you full of joy? Boy, he stopped. I said, I am joyful, but are you joyful? Oh, right away he said, no, I'm not. So later that day, he believes in the Lord. And he, you know, this is something, you know, they can talk about so many things, but they don't have joy. But praise the Lord today. We as Christians could actually enjoy the Lord and allow him to be our joy. Even suffering could bring us joy because through suffering, we can actually express the unlimited Christ. Don't you think that's wonderful? Oh, when you read that last letter of Botswani, he said, I maintain my joy. You know, when Broly read that letter, he was weeping, he was so happy that brotherly, at the end of his life, could still say, I maintain my joy. You know, our maintaining of our joy is actually the expression of this very Christ, who is our enjoyment. Amen. Okay, said the experience of Christ is primary in our spirit, you not know, the experience of Christ is primary in our spirit, but the enjoyment of Christ is in our soul. Okay, then it says, like children who are made to eat without enjoying their food, many times we experience Christ without enjoying Him. I hope we are not doing that. We are, enjoying, we are experiencing Him with much enjoyment. Thus, we have the experience of Christ without the enjoyment of Christ. The problem here is with our soul, with our mind, emotion, and will. You know, if we have experienced Christ without the enjoyment of Christ, that means, you know, our soul needs to be transformed. We need to deal with our soul, you know? And then D. he said, I am somewhat concerned. You know, when Broly said he's concerned, I hope we are all concerned, okay? That's why he's telling us that he's concerned. He said, I'm concerned that you may not have very much enjoyment of Christ. Oh, you may not have much enjoyment of Christ. The reason that many lose the enjoyment of Christ is the problem they have in the soul. If you do not have much enjoyment of Christ, indicates that you are not one in soul, joined in soul, okay? If we are not one in soul, joined in soul, then we are not having much enjoyment of this Christ. You know, so Paul, when he was talking to the Philippians, he was enticing them, he was telling them to make his joy full. How do they make his joy full? Is by thinking the same thing, by having the same love, join in soul, and thinking the one thing. Thinking the one thing. This is how we maintain our enjoyment of Christ. You know, of this very Christ, it is that we think the same thing, have the same love, join in soul, and thinking the one thing. Isn't that true You know, you know, if we have so much opinion and we fight one another, we have no enjoyment of Christ. It seems like, you know, the enjoyment of Christ has departed from us. But when we are in oneness and in one accord, we enjoy this Christ very much. Okay. And then E here says, among the Philippians, there was dissension in their thinking, which troubled the apostles. Hence, he asked them to think the same thing, even the same one thing that they might make his joy full. You know, thinking the same thing is to think the one thing. You know, we will talk about what is the one thing, you know. know, So when we talk about, you know, how the Philippians could make Paul's joy full is by thinking the same thing, having the same love, joined in soul, and thinking the one thing. And then one here says, according to the context of this book, the one thing, you know, what is the one thing? You know, when we say we need to all think the one thing, what is that one thing? This one thing must refer to the subjective knowledge and experience of Christ. Christ and Christ alone should be the centrality and universality of our entire being. This is the one thing. You know, if you are thinking about Christ and I'm thinking about Christ, we are in oneness. Oh, we are in one spirit with one soul. We have to think the same thing, which is Christ, okay? If we think not the same thing, you know, if you think of your goals and I think of my goals, you know, then we cannot be thinking the same thing, okay? Then, you know, what would come out is rivalry and vainglory, okay? Christ should be the centrality and universality of our entire life. Okay, then two here says, the one thing is a subjective experience of Christ as our enjoyment for the church life, as our enjoyment for the church life, the body life. This one thing should occupy our mind all the time. If we think the one thing, immediately the enjoyment of Christ will be our portion. Immediately, the enjoyment of Christ will be our portion. You know, the enemy would always try to get us out of these enjoyments. So in the church life, you know, sometimes, without any reason, we get offended. Have you ever been offended? So, if you start thinking about your offense, then you cannot be in one spirit. You're just thinking about your offense. So what we need to do is don't think about your offense. Think about Christ. Think about this subjective Christ. Because in the church life, if we want to be in one spirit with one soul, we must think the same thing. And that same thing is definitely not your offenses. It is Christ, the subjective Christ. Okay. Our thinking should be focused on the excellency of the knowledge and experience of Christ. Focusing on anything else causes us to think differently. That's creating dissension among us. Oh, that's wicked. Disensing, dissension among us. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, we talk about this body life that we are talking about. is issue from the experience of Christ, right? Okay, this in, issue from the experience and enjoyment of Christ needs us to take, you know, to focus on Christ, so that what we enjoy is Christ. Don't, you know, focus on offenses, on something wrong. If you focus on all those things, how could you enjoy Christ? You know, all those offenses we must remember came from the enemy to try to get us out of the enjoyment of Christ, okay? Our focus should be on the excellency of the knowledge and experience of Christ. To think something other than the one thing is to rebel against God's economy. To think something. Now listen to this, huh? To think something other than the one thing, which is Christ, you know what causes? us or bring us into disobedience and rebellion. To think something other than the one thing is to rebel against God's economy. God's economy is that we think the one thing. We think the one thing. So if we think other things, then we will be brought into disobedience and rebellion. Because of the dissension in their thinking, The Philippians believer had different levels of love. You know, they talk about love. So love comes from our emotion, which is another part of our soul. You know, they did not have the same love toward all the saints for the keeping of oneness. If our love towards the saints have been regulated and dealt with, then we will enjoy Christ as we love the saints. And if we enjoy Christ as we love the saints, we would have the same love to all the saints. So this love that we are talking about is not the natural love that we have because this natural love, you know, issue in fluctuation of our love. You know, I think many of us experience, you know, today you love, tomorrow you don't love because all this came from your natural life. But if it comes from the divine life within us, you know, It will keep us in the oneness of our love towards one another. And 6 say being one in soul, joined in soul, is not only for the experience of Christ, but even more for the enjoyment of Christ. You know, not only for the experience of Christ, but even more for the enjoyment of Christ. Our experience of Christ should also be our enjoyment of Christ. You know, I hope we would all pray about this our experience of Christ should be our enjoyment of Christ. To experience Christ with enjoyment, we need to be in one spirit with one soul. In order to enjoy Christ, we need to have a proper soul, a co-soul, a co-soul. What is this proper soul? Proper soul is that we are one with the souls of other saints. This is to have a proper soul. We are one with the souls of other saints. And then eight. Eight here is actually the key statement, you know. So a while ago when Brother Dennis read this, you know, you may not be able to write it all down. So actually the outline already wrote it for you. Okay, this last point is the key. So how about let's read this last point. Rejoice in the
4: Lord always, and again I say rejoice. rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice again I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say rejoice, Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Hallelujah! We need to rejoice. We can experience Christ. But more so we can enjoy Christ. And we can release our enjoyment. Amen. So at this time, we'd like to encourage any saint who would like to share from the message uh, given or the outline or even those who are at the Memorial Day conference to come and share their fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. So uh, we can have enough um, time for a good... Um, Uh, 15 minutes of sharing and then we'll have some announcements. Uh, Maybe we can limit it to 45 seconds. No more than 45 seconds. And then the piano can can help us out. So please come. And while the saints are coming, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Glory. Full of glory.
0: the book of Philippians we can experience and enjoy Christ Amen. and we can be led unto the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. I really uh, was enjoying Philippians 1.27 that we can conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I was reminded this Tuesday I was in a graduation as faculty and there was over 10,000 people at this event and it was loud, it was rowdy, it was jubilant and my co-workers next to me looks over and says, Leo. I'm going through hardship. In the middle of all these things going on, I'm going through hardship, and I need you to lead me to Christ. I need you to tell me what you have that I don't. And I said, hallelujah. I leaned over and I said, I can do that for you. We fellowship. we talked. Later on, she was led to Christ, and she is now in the the ministry enjoying uh, the word of God. Amen.
5: Whenever the brothers pick a subject for the conference, that means there's a need among the saints in recovery. Bali once said that Christ in the church is like a cup of tea. You want to drink tea, you need to have a cup. You want to enjoy Christ, you need a church life. But at the same time, you may have a cup that's empty. That today, the cup is empty. There's a need that we need to experience Christ. Amen. Today, there's a danger that we substitute the knowledge of the Bible. We that we have the knowledge, but we don't have the experience of Christ. Today we think that we have a complete set of the life study of the, of the, uh, of the Bible. Then we get it. No, the Lord said that to the, to the Pharisee, you search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is this that testify concerning me, yet you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. We should not be satisfied with the knowledge. We, have, we should come to Christ to experience him as our life. I just want to read this one point on 3E3. Our thinking should be focused on the excellency of the knowledge and experience of Christ. Focusing on anything else causes us to think differently, thus creating dissensions among ourselves. How do we become one? We become one by thinking the one thing, which is just Christ.
6: 3 see thus we can have the experience of christ without the enjoyment of christ the problem here is with our soul our mind emotion and well our daily living can be uh, can be the frustration of our soul our soul can be preoccupied with the things that is not christ so we all we need to be reminded that our soul needs to be regenerated be transformed be fully to focus onto christ so when we are, when our eyes are looking away to Christ our, all of our situations can be all can be all uplifted to be the enjoyment of Christ so we can be the pursuer that we can pursue for the excellency of the knowledge and the experience of Christ Amen. Um, okay so uh, I'm going to read point 2 <laughs> The, gospel, the Christ experiencing and enjoying life is a life in the furtherance of the gospel, a gospel-preaching life, not individualistic, but corporate. Amen. The more fellowship we have in the furtherance of the gospel, the more Christ we experience and enjoy. This kills our self, ambition, preference, and choice. Amen. I recently gave my testimony concerning uh, my salvation experience in the gospel meeting we had in Anaheim, and since then, I have to tell you, saints, my experience of Christ has been uplifted. I just appreciate him so much more, and not one day has gone by without me thinking about the Lord in the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is a corporate gospel, and we need to be in the body and in the fellowship with all the saints.
7: The Book of Philippians focuses on our experiencing of Christ and enjoying of this Christ. Amen. Christ is mysterious. Amen. Christ is the unsearchable riches. However, we can enjoy Christ Amen. and we can experience all his unlimited attributes. Amen. Even we can express his attributes through our human virtues. Amen. And then this kind of uh, enjoyment, properly, will become the body of Christ. And individually, it's the magnification of this wonder of Christ. And itself is a gospel preaching. Amen. I was an unbeliever when I was younger. I was a very difficult person. I like to argue. However, one day, I was preached by an older couple. There were so much shining. There was so much in oneness and so much joyful. Their light conquered me, brought me to the Lord. Praise the Lord.
6: Saints, is your life a life full of joy? Is your life a life full of joy? Something that, uh, a characteristic of a a Christian is that that he has a life full of joy. So saints, no matter what's going on, no matter what Cross your bearing, what situation we're going through. Yes, the Lord is coming, and as He comes, you know, there's more pain, more suffering. But, Saints, we must enjoy the Lord. Amen. We must enter into the enjoyment of the Lord. Amen. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw waters Amen. out of the streams of salvation. Amen. So, Saints, let's choose to take the Lord morning by morning. Amen. He is the real medicine. He is our enjoyment.
7: Amen. Oh,主耶稣, Lord Jesus, Thank you. Today we can joyfully meet together. I want to loudly call upon your name. Thank you, thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you for your shedding your blood for us on the cross. Lord, you are our Savior. Every day we can give you thanks and praise you. We can enjoy you uh, in a daily living. Amen. 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 Amen.
8: Um the body of Christ is the issue of the experience of Christ. I was so touched this um this afternoon to be reminded once again, not only at the Memorial Memorial Day conference, but also now that when these speakings, these conferences are so timely. You know, they're not um coincidential, they're not just random topics, but this is the Lord's speaking directly to us Amen. and reviewing my day-to-day living and my you know work life and my church life. This is so evident that there is such a lack in my experiencing of Christ. You know, so I just am so thankful to, for the Lord, for his mercy, to shine light on what I need today. Amen. You know, since I need to experience more of Christ and he needs to be more of my enjoyment. Amen. Why? Because the Lord is longing for the body of Christ. He's longing for reality and this is what I need. So thank you Lord for shining light on us.
9: Amen. I so appreciate this matter of experiencing and enjoying the Lord when I was in the training I was on a door knocking team and uh, I'm terrified of preaching the gospel and I found out at some point in my training that if I sung before going out I could preach the gospel and it wasn't because singing is a method but because I would be so enveloped in the enjoyment of the Lord I just didn't care I would just lose myself and just speak and I realized in my daily living this is my need it's not that my situation would change that i would be pulled out of the prison that I'm in but that my enjoyment of the Lord would supersede whatever situation I'm in, right? The Lord is not gonna change our situation, but our enjoyment of the Lord can be beyond that. So in the midst of our circumstances, our experience and enjoyment of the Lord will be beyond whatever situation we're in. And that becomes the magnification of Christ. That becomes our fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel, and that will build the body.
10: Amen. Amen. Our, Our love is short, and our forgiveness is shorter. That's real true. Um, Recently, I'm listening to the um, message of uh, Mid-Atlantic Young Working Saint Retreat, and to my surprise, the brothers say a lot about the marriage life, because that's the smallest unit of the church life. The brothers said, like, if we cannot build up with our husband or our wife, uh, we cannot build up with anyone in our church. Because that's the smallest unit in our church life but how to build up we need to forgive but that's very hard in the church life if you can forgive everything about your husband or your wife so in this message the brother (laughs) tell us that we need to enjoy the Lord and we need to experience the Christ then we can forgive anyone spontaneously and that's the only way that we can build up the church we can build up in our family we can build up the Christ uh, Christ body
11: Philippians is a book not only on the experience of Christ, but also on the enjoyment of Christ. Yeah. So I just want to share that a couple of weeks ago I was uh, sharing with an older brother my my experience of Christ in, in testifying more in the meetings. And he shared with me that it would be wonderful actually if this would translate to my gospel preaching. At, at first I was not I was kind of confused, but I just realized that we need our enjoyment of the Lord to increase our enjoyment of the Lord not needs needs not needs to not only be in the meetings but also needs to be in our daily life so just hearing these brothers testify their experience of magnifying Christ I just became so more desperate says we need to enjoy Christ we we need to be in the fellowship of the furtherance of the gospel joined with joined with joined in soul with all the other members of the body
12: Philippians being a book on the experience and enjoyment of Christ, one of the first items mentioned is the fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. And I just uh, really appreciate this point under uh, Romans 2, that Christ experiencing and Christ enjoying life is a life in the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. And I'm just so refreshed uh, by the speaking this afternoon, how I, uh, my experience and enjoyment of Christ needs to be uplifted and uh, this uplifting is really taking place in the fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel in this fellowship uh, with one another we would not be striving with one another we may not be struggling against one another but this kind of fellowship uh, we'll be enjoying christ Amen. thinking the one thing uh, the experience and enjoyment of christ uh, for the furtherance of the gospel Amen. the more we have the fellowship unto the furtherance
4: of the gospel the more we experience and enjoy Christ. And our preaching of the gospel should not be individualistic, but should be in a corporate way. And so in order to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, we need to be those in one soul with all the saints. And uh, I I wanted to share these verses. Um, Philippians 2, 20, 20 and 21 says, For I have no one like soul who will genuinely care for what concerns you. For all seek their own things, not the things of Christ Jesus. Amen. So, saints, one reason why we're not like souls is we seek our own things. Many times when I'm coordinating with other saints, if my idea is not followed, then I'm I'm offended because I'm not seeking Christ. I'm seeking my own things. So, saints, when we come together, we need to deny ourselves. We need to seek the things of Christ Jesus. Amen. How about no more uh, just those standing, and let's uh, reduce it to 30 seconds if we can. Do your best.
13: Praise the Lord. We can enjoy Christ. Amen. Oh, Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, out of our enjoyment of Christ, we can preach the gospel. So I just want to share an experience today. I was at Costco, and I was speaking with these two ladies that were selling sausages. And um, so they were, you know, they were really... And so anyways, it was very enjoyable with these ladies. And they go, there's something different about you. And I said, I love the Lord Jesus. And I said, do you love him? And they said, we love the Lord Jesus. Let's take our picture together. So praise the Lord. Out of our enjoyment of Christ, there's a spontaneous enjoyment in other people. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We not only experienced you, but we love you, Lord, and we enjoy you Lord
12: Amen. we enjoy you Lord Amen. we love you Lord Amen. I had a, free, a fresh appreciation of what is the gospel gospel is not an activity but it's actually a living Amen. once we are saved then our Christian life should be a gospel preaching life Amen. and praise the Lord for a book of Philippians that it shows us that when we have more fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel then we experience more of this Christ, uh, that we enjoy more of this Christ, and this automatically makes us a person living in the gospel life.
10: Amen. Uh, dear saints, so coming into the uh, message tonight, I was complaining to my husband regarding a situation that I had with having a friend who is coming to my place to live, and she's a gospel contact in a way. So I was just concerned how to Minister Christ to her and how to just call live with someone and love someone and I enjoyed this message because Only Christ has this unlimited love and the mister. It is a mystery that Christ lives in us So it is through Christ that we can love everyone
14: Today we know the goal of our God, which is the reality of the body of Christ But today we also know the way to get to this goal it's to experience Christ! So in Ephesians 3.8, Paul says, he was uh, graced to announce the unsearchable riches of Christ, because he realized actually to experience this Christ, issues in the building up of the body of Christ. So day to day, day by day, let us exercise before his face, to receive his mercy and finally his grace, to experience and enjoy Christ, so that his body can be built up, and then in this way will be preserved in his recovery
6: you asked me before I came here if I'm rebelling against God's economy I might have said no but I got exposed because to think something other than the one thing is to rebel against God's economy and I do that all the time this is a very serious matter (laughs) oh Lord And, and even sometimes I might get occupied with an offense that was against me and I might be rebelling against God's economy by being occupied with this offense but I know I should be thinking the one thing I should be thinking about the Lord but sometimes it's kind of artificial Like, okay, I'm going to switch and I'm going to think about God now. I mean, it doesn't necessarily work. But what the Lord impressed me with while I was listening to this is that I can say, oh, Lord, I got offended. (laughs) This turns me to the Lord. This turns me to, to be thinking on Him instead of my offense. So this is a practical way.
14: The experience of Christ is a mystery. The experience of Christ is a mystery. But how can we practically gain this mystery? It's in Roman numeral two. The experience of Christ is actually the fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. It's not only for that fellowship. It's the very fellowship unto the furtherance of the gospel. Notice that it is not just preaching of the gospel, but fellowship implying that this is not an individualistic gospel preaching, but in the way of a corporate preaching. Amen. This is what Brother Lee shared with us on the vital groups Amen. since 1993. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.
4: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh, this brings to a close the first session of this conference. This second session will begin at 7 p.m. So we will take a break uh, between now and then. We encourage all the saints to blend with one another during the break, especially if you've brought your dinner, or if you go off-site, please uh, try to uh, eat at a place which is nearby so that you can come back to the Ministry Conference Center, the MCC, in a timely manner. Uh, A couple of other announcements. The bookstore will be open during the break, and it's in the northwest corner over here. Secondly, if you've brought the Lord's Table bread for tomorrow morning, you can drop it off in the south lobby over here. The ushers have a table set up for you to drop off the Lord's Table bread. And finally, uh, simultaneous, uh, simultaneous to this conference, there is a children's weekend camp going on in 1853 Ball Road and this is available for all kindergartners through sixth grade. So uh, anyone who you know that has a kindergartner all the way up to sixth grade, uh, you're welcome to join the weekend Bible camp, uh, the, the weekend children's camp at 1853 Ball Road. If you have, if you're a nursing mother or if you have toddlers or anyone younger than kindergartner, there is a provision for a video feed Unfortunately, only in English, but there is a provision of a video feed in NW2 in the FTTMA area, okay? So, with that we can be dismissed and please come back by 7 p.m.